Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 132, episode 2 of Dirt Daily Zeitgeist, the production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness and say officially off the top, fuck the Koch brothers and fuck fuck Fox News. Them too. And Lincoln. (laughs) Fuck Lincoln, because he clearly endorses President Trump. Oh, uh, oh. based (laughs) Based on that... Uh, interview at the feet of the Lincoln Memorial. Hey, man. He's getting yeah. crushed out here, man. I <laughs> haven't been treated this bad since this guy. No one. <laughs> no one's been treated. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's Tuesday, May 5th, 2020. Uh, Cinco de Mayo. Mm. Happy Cinco de Mayo to you all. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. I'm not on my way. I know that I'm not going, I'm not on my way. I'm staying home till I don't know when. Goodbye, all plans due to Corona. Won't see me soon unless it's a Zoom call. That is courtesy of Philly Nuts. It is me and Julio. And I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. And here I go again on my own. Jogging down this empty road, I'm all alone. I could live, but I prefer to leave my home. And I'm making good time. Six feet ahead and behind. Here I go again. Thank you to Christy Yamaguchi, made crispy meme donut, inspired by the tweet of Hannah Soltis. This is just a remix is a remix of a remix. Thank you so much. A it remix takes a is village. a remix of a remix. Exactly. A powerful collaboration. I'm me. actually just got that tatted. When it heals up, I'll show everybody. But I just got that. The remake. <laughs> a remix is a remix of a remix. Yeah, think about uh, it. Well, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by today's core co-host and guest. Uh, she is the hilarious, the talented Lil Zam herself, Jamie Loftus. Okay, bear with me. I don't know how this song goes, really. Okay. <laughs> okay. Staying inside in the world today mm-hmm. takes everything you got. Feeling trapped with all your worries sure don't help a lot. I know that you'd like to get away. Am I even remotely close? No, 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 no. Well, you should stop before you go because there's a global quarantine. So just, you, you have to be where everybody plays board games. Okay, that's where it, okay, I'm sorry. That's Taylor Fleming wrote that and I fucked it up because I have- you I've only it. seen I've only seen the cheers at Fraser's in. Uh, <laughs> you you ignore all others. Uh, yeah. What does that mean? The the cheers that Fraser's in. The uh, well, the episodes of Cheers that the character Fraser appears in, and then every episode of Fraser. Oh is what God, I've seen. Oh, okay. how many times was that character on Cheers? A lot. Was it a- most? A, quite oh, okay. a bit. I had to watch yeah. a lot of Cheers. Yeah. I haven't. I mean, I guess it's not true that I've, I've seen every Frasier, but that those the only episodes I've seen Frasier's been in. Right, right, right. That was my. Primary but if we had, a, if they had given you an AKA that started, "Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling," oh, you would have nailed it. I would have. <laughs> I would have, and I would have done been vibrato. Doubt it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, note for our songwriters so, out there, to all composers out there, all yeah. Frasier's welcome. <laughs> Well, there's a phrase. Yeah, well, we can. We can, we were already improving some uh, great songs before this, but I think the, the Fraser one is ripe. For should we COVID share it parody. with them? Yes. I when a we were trying. I don't know. We were just somehow. <laughs> really good. It turned. Uh, we were talking about the Cheers theme song, and I slowly somehow made it into a thing about hanging out with people who were doing a bunch of cocaine. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know. Hey, buddy, you got a second to hear this pilot script I got? <laughs> yeah, it makes not much sense, but it's about a weird robot. 
And I think the thing is, you want to just anyway. There's things where everybody goes your name. Everybody's on cocaine. Look, let's. That's I, let's, based yeah. on um, I mean, Sam Esmail getting Mr. Robot well, going, wasn't it? <laughs> exactly. <right. laughs> Wouldn't you like to? Um, uh, Wouldn't you like this? Would you please read this script I'm writing? <laughs> it's about a uh, weird robot. Sorry. Look, this in is an where after we're at. hours uh, episode that I wrote. Uh, I, I talked about my theory that Cheers is. Uh, like actually the subjective perspective of the drunk people at the bar uh, because it's like well lit and everybody's funny and everybody (laughs) is good looking and all their jokes land and I feel like real cheers, uh, objective cheers is a much more depressing bar. Right. That's Um, true. Yeah. The Taurus bar is also very depressing. Yeah, it is. It is very depressing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's it's a tourist bar in Boston, right? On the, the common. Place, yeah, the only place worse than the tourist bar is the actual cheers that like your uncle will bring you to and like get in your face and be like, This is the actual cheers. That's also that's also <laughs> that a bad it was trip. based on. Right. That's what, the actual um, cheers. What are the what are the regulars like at the actual cheers? Uncles saying that it's the actual cheers. That- right, right, right. <laughs> Got it. I don't know what it was like when it was not uncle pre uncles. Probably talking just shit about uncles. like Patrick Waugh or something in there. Patrick, oh, I mean, let's not talk shit about Patrick Waugh. Not in my house. <laughs> yeah, please don't. Yeah, be careful. Um, next, next thing we're you gonna know, have a call in episode with your dad. Yeah. Great pull. Careful, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the theme song from Cheers, by the way, like the original, has a. Uh, Part of the a verse that's about suicide uh, that they cut out of the. I knew that so. there's there's a bunch of like theme songs that are secretly like kind of sad. Like the 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 lyrics to the cat dog theme song are also very like kind of sad. Um, right. Yeah. There's like a whole extra like verse to it. What? The, where's yeah. that other thing we were talking about? How there's like a weird transphobic line in that Cheers theme song too. Real? How long is Probably. this song? It's, yeah, it's it's long. A, it's like someone's it's, like, and you find out your wife's a man or some weird. There's like some yeah, weird yeah. line like that. We're like, what the fuck are these other lyrics was, in this song? Like written by a drunk person or something in the early 20th century. Um, but yeah, there there's a verse where it's like, and you're just trying to get away from your wife because things are a bummer and it's either this or kill yourself. Um, oh, it's, so it's your husband. Your husband wants to be a girl. Is oh. the line that Gary oh, yeah. Portnoy sings? Your husband Jesus. wants to be a girl. Ooh. Walls. Anyway. Uh, anyways. Cheers. Guys, here we are. In here we are. Our own version of Cheers. Uh, <laughs> right? This is. What if this is the show, you guys? Oh, my uh, God. Jack keeps but, saying uh, this every day. <laughs> this is our cheers. People will, people will write, yeah, they will write theories about this podcast. Like It was written from the perspective of three people who actually had the things of value to say. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, Jamie, we're going to get to know you a little bit better. We're going to check oh. in with you. We haven't checked wow. in with you personally for a little while. So. Yeah. Uh, we are going to find out how you're doing. Uh, but first, we uh, are going to tell our listeners a couple of things we're talking about. The thrilling finale of Mask Gate, mm-hmm. uh, where Mike Pence basically admitted he was wrong about he something, which is ah. apparently something people you in love the Trump administration it. can do. Yeah, I <laughs> did not realize that. Uh, Trump... Is has turned his corner on like how he wants to message around COVID nineteen, um, so we're going to talk about that uh, as well as the new FEMA models, which are saying uh, things aren't looking good for reopening. Uh, things are looking the opposite of good, uh, mm-hmm. and also their strategy of uh, blame China that seems to be. I I don't know what the end game is. I'm very scared of what the end game is. I guess. We're going to talk about an article where someone <laughs> talks to uh, a public health expert about what the next year is going to look like. Uh, we're going to talk about Last Dance episodes five and six, or I am going to describe <laughs> them to you guys. Uh, we're going to talk about the guy in Florida who got busted for camping on Discovery Island, which was a, a resort, I guess, which 
we'll we'll talk about that. Very interesting. It's every person's every person's dream when they're a kid. They're like, yeah. what if I snuck into the amusement park when no one was there? Yeah. Uh, but yeah. then we'll explain why it wasn't so cool for him. Uh, but first, <laughs> Jamie, we like to ask our guest, yes. what is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are, friend? Uh, well, I, I've been Googling um, Ty Warner a lot lately. He's like a fixation of, of, of mine most recently in the choir. Ty Warner is the guy who made all the Beanie Babies. Mm-hmm. And he's, uh, I was not familiar with his uh, story uh, there's only like one book written about Beanie Babies, but I got it and I read it. <laughs> and oh, really? Yeah, it is like the wildest story. Like Ty Warner, it was just like this strange, mean man who got too much plastic surgery, and he kept, you know, he's he is go going around shaking his fist, being like the bean bags, the bean bags, and then he like becomes a billionaire and. There's, it's just, it's like, it is, I highly recommend, the book I was reading called, it was called The Big Beanie Bubble. And if you want to get really <laughs> worked up about something that doesn't matter in quarantine, it's like, it's such a wild book. Like you, you would guess, I thought that, like, I assumed that Beanie Babies would have just been like a focus grouped, like, uh, just kind of like a corporate endeavor. Right. But it was the project of one unstable person named Ty with a vision with yeah. a vision who wanted his little name in little tags with hearts on them everywhere and he's he's like a hotelier now or something like he's that's a, the new thing yeah he has a bunch of hotels he's actually been pretty well it's a mixed bag his <laughs> Ty Warner and COVID-19 it's a mixed bag I was gonna on, say on, <laughs> I wonder what does that intersection look like on the intersection of Beanie Babies and, and COVID-19 COVID has is there's more than you would think the there's well Warner like opened one of his hotels for free lodging for first responders which is great so that's good good on him for that the downside is that he released a really creepy Beanie Baby with a very ominous, like, po you know how they all have little poems? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay, he released a Beanie Baby called Hope, and it's a little bear, and it's praying. Mm -hmm, it's fair. praying for uh -huh. COVID-19. So far, I'm on board. Okay, mm -hmm. it's saying, please, God, stop COVID-19. Here's the, here's the poem in Comic Sans, but that's, that's just And this is what's written candy. on the inside of the tag? This is on the little tie tag because he's Heart an tie, egomaniac. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> so hope. When you go to sleep tonight, pray everything will be all right. And if you keep hope in your heart, we'll stay together and never part. I feel like the end implies that someone has died. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. It's, it's like a stalker talking about <laughs> yeah, somebody they're about to murder. <laughs> There's a we'll lot never of be apart. There's a you lot of different pray. ways to come at the praying COVID-19 beanie baby. I don't love it. I appreciate it, the intent. I don't love it. Just a second ago, I was trying, I was, I remembered that there's like a, I know like the Ty Warner name popped up in the context of hotels. I'm like, wait, that's the same guy. Right. And I looked it, it up. It is. Yeah. The, the fucking website for Ty Warner hotels and resorts, it like auto plays some shitty MIDI pianos. I don't know earlier, kind of bled into my mic and I had to mute my computer. I was merely just trying to look at what the properties that he owns were and some, it like forced oh. some shit music onto me. Uh, but, you know, look at, look at old Ty Warner making it Ty work Warner's for him. He is still America's 52nd richest person at 4.5 billion net worth and uh he is 62 and for some reason they include marital status single oh, ladies well there's a whole thing with with the don't okay to all the zeitgeist listeners don't date ty warner no don't why? do it don't okay. do it he just do you remember the beanie baby patty the platypus no of course well we all remember <laughs> well guess what he named that after his ex-girlfriend because he thought she was mean. And he thought she was a mean old platypus, and he's like, wow. Patty. So what, what Ty Warner would do with the women he would be in relationships with is he would do like that. I, I'm trying to think of another example of this, but I feel like it happens. 
where he would never marry them so that they would never be entitled to any part of the Beanie Baby fortune. Keep them at a legal arm's distance. (laughs) Exactly. And but then would always make them work for him, but not in an official enough capacity to give them financial independence so that they couldn't leave him. It was like pretty fucked up the way he like treated people. Yeah. Like you're going to run our ideas team. Mm, right like, it's not just, an official job and right. you, like so basically if they break up with him they're like left with nothing but they are also masterminding the beanie babies like pyramid scheme and the whole like i don't know it's 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 interesting and and fucked up and i've been thinking a lot about ty warner i'm like i want someone to make a tv sh- i don't know who would play ty warner he's a freaky looking guy who's a freaky looking yeah. guy so many there's plenty plenty out there so many to pick from. Who played um, the character who got a l- little bit too much plastic surgery and behind the candelabra? Because that feels Ooh. about right. He kind of looks like the Martin Short plastic surgeon character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Uh, a little that's bit. That's a good, good call. Uh, anyways, Ty um, Warner. Anyways, that, that's going to be a very good uh, biopic at some point uh, uh, with, oof. God willing. Very dark. God God willing. willing. Yeah, because he would like look at them and he would be like, God no, will. it's eyelashes are all wrong and like make them yeah. take a beanie baby back. Like he, he was, was like truly an artiste in his own mind. He was a tyrant. He was so yeah. horrible. That's so funny. Uh, what is something you think is underrated? Underrated, I think, uh, is, well, pitting your animals against each other has been oh. fun. We've started at not like in a scary way. Yeah, yeah, not fighting them, just in like not, a pride way. In a, <laughs> the pride yeah. on the line. <laughs> We've started a, a behavioral contest in the house where okay. it's it's a son of the day contest, and whoever was the best son at the end of the day gets a point on the board, and whoever gets to ten points first gets a little treat. Gets so. uh, water. Wait, so what is? <laughs> wait, what do you for mean me than it is for them? So what do you? How do you? Are there challenges throughout the day where to the victor go the spoils that you can assess which is the better pet of the day? Yeah. Well, yeah, because now I basically look at them all day long. So it's it mainly goes <laughs> to whichever whichever of them fucks up less will right. get the point. Like, for example, yesterday, Sonny shit next to the bed. So that docks him some points. Oh, right? okay. But if the cat messes up worse then Sonny can still shit in the house and win the day. It depends on who's worse. Got it. Wow. So like very... Is there a board where they can track their progress or is there's it all is that board inside your mind? There's a no, there's I got I got a little uh a little it's actually a little a big lemon that is supposed to be it was like Mike's Heart Lemonade marketing. And <laughs> and so that's where we keep the scores and right now it's uh Flea the Cat is leading 5 to 4, but it's so oh. it's pretty tight. Okay. Wow. It's pretty tight. Still it's time, though. Still time. Thing. Yeah. It's the most interesting thing about my life right now. And then <laughs> uh, something that is uh, underrated to, to watch on television is uh, the Dress Up Gang on TBS, which they finally just released all of. But it's a really, really, really good sketch show that- The Dress uh, Up Gang? The Dress Up Gang. It rules. It's so good. Right. I like saw I saw some, uh, some of the episodes like a year and they kept- they, waited forever to release it but now it's out and it's really funny and it's yeah awesome uh what is something you think is overrated sourdough starter kits grow up oh enough grow up oh grow up have you have you baked a loaf though have you baked one if i i'll know that i've 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 really gone off you know, into another world. If I even learn what a starter dough, sourdough, if I know what it looks like, I'm on the wrong track in my life. I don't want to know what it looks like. I don't want to know how it works. I don't like seeing (laughs) Jake Gyllenhaal doing it. I don't want to know. I don't want to eat it. I just, I got all like worked up about it yesterday. But yeah, I don't want to know anything about the sourdough. I saw Jake Gyllenhaal doing it in a YouTube clip and it made me upset. Yeah. he it's weird not- how like we're even finding quarantine activities that we're somehow like relegating to like basicness where it's like yeah. right now, if you're basic, you're making banana bread and sourdough. Okay. Uh, but, it. it's, but it's also horny, like everyone's just sort like- of like, we're trying to do something, but we still like, even though we're all in our houses, we're still trying to create a, like a hierarchy of activities still to be like, oh, actually basic-ness. bread. Pfft, 
I'm like smoking weed. (laughs) It's like also don't listen to a word I say because I'm like, yeah, I'm doing a friendly competition with my cat and my dog to see who shits on my stuff list. So take that. If I start start making food people can eat, I'm on the wrong track. (laughs) (laughs) I need to take a look at my life. If I haven't 3D printed PVC armor for my pets, uh, then something's really going wrong. Well, I'm less bothered by like bread of people like that are like it's like mainly celebrity bread i don't know something about the celebrity bread celeb bread does celeb bread i'm just it just rubs me the wrong way i don't (laughs) know what it is i I was talking about it with my dad on the phone yesterday and then he he went on like a different tangent that also made no sense where he was like well my father used to deliver 500 loaves of wonder bread a day and if everyone started making their own bread, he'd be screwed. But it, that's a moot point because he's dead. Right. <laughs> that's a good point. So there are no... Not- sta- and also, I don't think we're even close to becoming a society where people are home-making their own bread. Like, I don't think we've put Wonder Bread out um, of business. Dude, America's built on like defanging people and taking away the skills that make them less reliant on like consumption. Like It's it's built that way. Don't worry. Nobody's, nobody's going to try and learn how to make white bread all of a sudden. But My, gr- like my grandfather ate a loaf of white bread a day. <laughs> no. Yeah, in his chair, and then he died at sixty-four. Do you think the two could be connected? Wait, he would eat an <laughs> no. Are you are you serious? He would eat an entire loaf of like that was his food for the day. That's no, there was other food as well. He's a pretty big guy, but there was uh, there that's I mean that I, he died when I was very little, but that's like the family lore was that he worked for Wonder Bread and at the dog track, and that between jobs he would eat a loaf of bread. Wow, and eat a dog. And then eat a dog after that. Eat a greyhound. And yeah. A, yeah, with a bunch of betting um, stubs. Yeah, I uh, I do wonder if some of the self sufficiency making stuff from home is part of America's collective unconscious realizing uh, fuck capitalism. Maybe I don't know. That could be I also nice. was going to say that you said uh, that it that it's not bad to make food people can eat, but if you change the punctuation and you're making food people, uh, <laughs> that, right. that gets weird. That's, that's usually that's a sign a that you've slope. been, yeah. But I think for a, inside too long. I think bread offers people a thing, like if you're not normally creative, it gives you the same satisfaction any creative person has in that you, you're working on something and there's an outcome fairly quickly that you can assess and it mm-hmm. gives you feedback, and then you can begin iterating like on your loaf. You're like, oh, okay, so I got to do this. It's like I think it just it helps people feel like you're fucking making some shit. Because I know I've had that urge too. I'm even like, fucking give me a Lego set or some shit. You're always yeah. iterating on your loaf. I've always said that about yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> iterating um, on loaves, the new EP from Miles Gray. <laughs> Jamie, what? <laughs> Jamie, what is a myth? What's something people think is true you know to be false? Okay, so this is also a food-related thing. Uh, a myth is that if you make the food smaller on purpose, you'll eat less of the food. <laughs> we, I've been experimenting with this. Okay. We've, we've been experimenting with this in the home. Where so my boyfriend's been making cookies, like ba- like basic, you know, n- nothing wild, but just cookies. And then we had a brilliant idea while we were trying to stop our animals from shitting on our stuff. <laughs> we were like, what? It, maybe we'd eat less cookies if we made the cookies really small. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then it turns out you just eat the same amount of cookies and you feel worse because you feel like you ate 12 ate cookies. More cookies. Yeah. yeah. Turns out our stomachs just don't resolve to numerical values. Well, I thought like, of but I like, had three teeny ones stomach. Hello, feel like it's expanded. I really, I really went into it with some Polly Pocket logic of like this is just as good as a regular doll. It, but it's very small. But you get right, the same right. amount of joy from it. I tried to apply that logic to cookies, and it didn't work. Have you tried anything else or cookies? You're one and done. You're like, all right, tried it. Don't need. We're done there. Well, the, well, the nice thing about the the cookie, the small cookies, is that I that they're fun and I like them. So we're gonna keep them small, but we're not gonna try to regulate <laughs> what the, are we, the amount. Like quarter size? What are we talking? Like little famous Amos? I'll grab one during the break. They're okay. pretty. They're pretty small. Some of the like cookie crisp size or how, how not, small? Are we not talking? quite that small. I would say about about not longer than a thumb. Oh, pretty okay. small cookies. Okay. 
And I you're, you're, do, yeah. you're taking these from like the prefab uh, cookie dough that you buy at the store and just like cutting, making it into little smaller Roll uh, it up. balls. Yeah, make little, little tiny cookies. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Put them in the cookie jar, see how long they last. Yeah. Do they cook quicker? Do they bake fast? They when cook, you, when they you cook do a lot. Well, that's, yeah, that's another problem is you can get a lot of cookies much faster. Because <laughs> they do cook You faster. said that with such glee in your eye. Uh, but that's the thing, man. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing you need to know. Uh, all right, let's take, a quick, <laughs> let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back, and Mike Pence, that there was an evolution of this story that should have been fairly straightforward. Uh, it shouldn't even have been a thing that happened. It should have been a thing where the Mayo Clinic was like, hey, bruh, we're all wearing masks because sick people are here, and yeah. Uh, and instead, he chose to go go raw, uh, and Put everyone now, at risk. Yeah, yeah. so the the... His response to it, though, has evolved over time. Yeah. Where, where are we right now, Miles? It You've went been... into, first step was everyone was like, what is this photo of Mike Pence looking at someone getting treatment for COVID-19 and talking to him with no mask or any kind of PPE on, while every yeah. other person, including the person he is speaking to, has a mask. Has a mask, yeah. Then he comes out and says, you know, I wanted to look them in the eye and let them know, like, you know, there's leaders here. And basically, the whole thing is, I get tested all the time, and I don't have it, so I I'm not gonna, I don't have any kinds of anything, so I don't need condoms, fool. You don't get it. I'm pure, I'm clean. And then yeah. people are like, that's a stupid, stupid reason. Then mother- also, your eyes are in your mouth, clearly, right. which is weird. <laughs> <laughs> then mother had to come, uh, Karen Pence had to interject as well Love and just mother. basically be like, it's fine. I don't know what the deal is. He's not at, like, everything was done. It, it, anyway, just piling on even more and more. And then we've come full circle because after the uh, a segment on Fox, he basically copped to it very like, they're like, you know, what about this thing at the Mayo Clinic? And he just said, you know, I didn't think it was necessary, but uh, I should have worn a mask at the Mayo Clinic. Instead of pretty, yeah. just pretty straightforward. I mean, and it was like, yeah. yeah, no shit. And now I'm like, Pence Hero. 2020. Pence 2020. Hero. That's how low um, the bar is. It really yeah. is. That's Whoa, like, not, what? <laughs> that's not even the bare minimum to admit you should have done something <laughs> but like that's where it is now. A week later. Like that. <laughs> that's not even that's the bare minimum. That's how starved we are. But yeah. I was so yeah. thrilled to see it. Yeah, no. Like, I, like, oh, so, I, I really feel like I'm a hostage at this point because <laughs> I really have genuine affection for Mike Pence for admitting that he was wrong about something. Like, wow. That's like the role that. Uh, it's like when George W. Bush level. took out his painties for the first time, and we were like, "Woohoo! Yeah. At least it's not a war crime." But it's like, <laughs> well, it's just a painting of one. Uh, <laughs> the, I think, like when you look at just sort of this mask gate and just the general discourse around masks now, like it all kind of it's all part of a bigger narrative about the mask and our, you know, the rights rejection of reality that there could be something larger than them that is completely out of their control that not even white supremacy could cure. Um, and when you look at just the quotes, right, about all of the luminaries of the right and what they have to say about masks, Rush uh, Limbaugh yeah. Rush Limbaugh says, it's clear that the, that the mask is a symbol of fear. And when you see various people suggesting that we may now have masks as part of our public lives for the rest of our lives, uh, why? Okay, because of your safety, fucking idiot. Laura Ingram right. goes on to say, quote, the mask, the masks, they're kind of a constant reminder. You see the mask and, and you think you're not safe. You're not back to normal. Not even close. So everyone is sort of using, it's like, this is their, this is, this is the left's fear tactic to try and convince us that we're all at risk, even right. though there's plenty of evidence to show that we are all at risk. And some people exponentially more. I have, I have a quick uh, anecdote about, I, I got tested the other day for all you uh, test yes. heads. And you were going to get Wendy's after. I was gonna, I did, I got, ended up getting, bravely, I ended up getting Wendy's before. Oh, I was like, hey, wow. I bet this line's going to be pretty long. And? 
Uh, and I was right. It was pretty long. But I, but so we're, I mean, we're very fortunate in LA County to have been, I think, one of the first, if not like the first county to get testing for asymptomatic people as well. Um, so it's, uh, it's not perfect. There's still limited accessibility to it in terms of like, it's a drive-through system. So you have to have access to a car. Uh, we were lucky to get a loaned car, uh, but we signed up, got an appointment two days later. I was worried cause the line of cars was a mile long, but we got all the way through the line and, uh, did everything in less than an hour it was just a swab wow. of the inside of the mouth i was scared because i thought that they were going to do the skull one fully skull fucked yeah. yeah uh but you don't get skull fucked it's just a very like a light dystopian experience where you drive oh. through and they give you a little swab and a little thing of solution the person in a hazmat suit talks you through it to make sure you don't fuck it up somehow and then you you slip it through the window and uh then in theory they'll call me in a couple days and let me know. <laughs> in theory. <laughs> Did you do the wise thing and save some of your Wendy's for after? So you have a little treat after a couple bites? Or you, oh, you full yeah, on smanged your Wendy's before you even got there? I'm an adult. I I, I save my frosty and some hey. fries. Yeah. What if they the call you back and they're like, You're all the only thing we tell is you're positive for Wendy's. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Could be a test inconclusive. <laughs> well, you're not supposed to eat. There were chunks of fry in there. <laughs> you're not supposed to eat 20 minutes before. So I, there, I, it was a close, you had to time it just close right. Close call. Yeah. Just okay, good, right. Good. But it worked. But so so if, if that like if that testing becomes available in, in more areas, which I hope it does, I recommend it. It was a painless experience and I got right. to go to Wendy's. Well, we'll be on on the edge of our seat waiting to hear your results. I hope I hope you're healthy. Are you are you symptom free? Yeah, yeah. We were uh, a symptomatic gang. Exactly. <laughs> symptom free since ninety two, baby. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about how Mike Pence's boss is dealing with this current stage of the coronavirus situation. We talked last week about how he was real mad about some polling around his re-election prospects and uh, just lost his shit on his entire staff. <laughs> threatened um, legal action against his campaign. Yeah, threatened to sue his staff. Um, and <sighs> now he is like doing a, a thing where he's like just putting a, a shiny spin on uh, the news and how we're getting over this and the country's going to open back up and be better than ever. Like, I don't think this is going to be a sustained thing since he changes so frequently and just like a different uh, article on Fox or the New York Times can like set him off uh, in a new direction. But this seems yeah. like the, the direction he's going right now. Well, yeah, because trying to point the finger at every other person just wasn't sticking. Like it, he, tr he, they're still trying with China. That one hasn't ended. But you remember the World Health Organization was in the crosshairs earlier. That wasn't really sticking with people when they came back with receipts and were like, we've been telling you, what are you talking about? He can't blame the intelligence community because they've also been telling him. So now it just has to be, have to control the optics of the economy because that is the only thing that he could, that he feels that he has a chance to win on. Um, and you know, like now we first first he was saying like, yeah, we're going to maybe 60,000 deaths and we've really, we've really, we've come out of this really well. It's been a really great success. Now he's saying if something around a hundred thousand people passing away is still total victory. So those goalposts still keep moving, but now yeah. we're seeing now that they have no messaging on testing and they, they need something now because people just, they just keep getting hammered on everything else. So now it seems that they're completely shifting all of the energy to now talking about the economy. It's like, so they're going to throttle back the appearances by doctors Burks and Fauci and more Larry Kudlow, more Mnuchin to be like, I mean, the way this economy, that's all they're going to say. That's all going to be about how the economy is recovering. And when you look at this tweet from uh, the president on Sunday, this gives you a glimpse of the kind of like thematic shit they're going to, the tone that they want. Where's this is a tweet. At? Yeah. And then came a plague. A great and powerful plague. I should read this in his voice just so you can hear how fucking stupid it is. And then came a plague, a great and powerful plague. And the world was never to be the same again. But America rose from its death and destruction, always remembering its many lost souls and the lost souls all over the world and became greater than ever before. 
I don't know what the okay, fuck. Cormac McCarthy. Yeah. What the fuck is that? <laughs> that? Like, where, where did that come Also from? describing like a Pokemon too. Like, right. I don't know what yeah, yeah. this is. It's, it's some may, may the fourth be with you energy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And, you know, the whole idea is get these economies back up, get some anecdotes to put in the headlines about how Georgia opened up and there was no issues. Florida reopened. There's no issues. But the bottom line is when you look at all of the numbers, there's not even a of all the states that are reopening who have this like really smooth brained idea to, to reopen aggressively. They none of them even meet the criteria for, that the CDC has laid out for when to reopen, which is 14 days of consistent declines in new cases. None of them have done that. And if anything, all of our all of our data shows us that our death rate is going up at best plateauing. So it's all just very, very creepy. But again, this is all just to keep that, you know, hopefully have a V-shaped recovery, as I keep saying on Wall Street. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it seems like there's a clean break with reality. Uh, Jason Pargin was uh, saying that he feels like, you know, we keep seeing these headlines that are, well, this surely this will change how people, how Trump's uh, supporters feel about him. Uh, and it's like, when you look at his favorability ratings, it's been 43%, like before his election, the day after his election, uh, and today it's like all right around 43%. So it's just like, they're not changing anything about how they feel about that. So when the reality is that like, you can't, when you can't have the reality be that like, when reality doesn't fit with him being a competent leader who you can like plausibly insanely have as your leader, something else is going to have to give. So I don't know. I, I just feel like we're headed for a really like I, we're already seeing it. I'm not like predicting anything. We're already seeing it with the protests and the open the government back up shit. Um, but it's just I don't know. It's very scary there there's this article a uh, frank bruni column where he talked to this woman Lori garrett who is being featured everywhere because she was like saying this could happen at at any time um and she talks about like she makes a bunch of predictions like this is going to go in waves in various places there'll be like an outbreak in one city and not in the other it's not like this whole nationwide thing. So we need to get over the idea that this is like a nationwide story that we can encounter that way. Uh, she predicts travel is going to like how we think about travel is going to change a bunch of stuff that just seems really smart. But one thing she doesn't, she's like, and I think people's political values are going to change because they're seeing like how rich, rich people are getting off of the virus. And we're going to like come out of, quarantine and there's going to be 30% unemployment, but like those, I, so she's assuming that those people will then change how they feel about the president. And I don't think that's true. I think that is like a Not constant. They've picked their side. Yeah. yeah. They've picked their side and they're going to change reality to, you know, fit whatever, uh, he's the, know, yeah, he's the conductor to keep supporting him. He's the conductor. Yeah, he just has to like change the tune. At this point. Absolutely. Yeah. When people are wearing no masks in the midst of a yeah. pandemic to cosplay as oppressed white people with guns and shit, that's yeah. They're they're clearly they they're like, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, that number's not gonna move because those 43, 44% of the country that is always there for him, they're not mm -hmm. interested in politics. They're interested in white dominance. They're interested in the oppression of marginalized people. They just all, they just need to feel on top and they, they walk this really great. And I say great because it's able to feed on either side. They always feel simultaneously like the dominant culture or the oppressed culture at any given moment. And they can modulate so quickly between the two that they never have to reconcile one with the other. Like, yeah. it's like, I'm oppressed, but I thought you were, y'all were so rah-rah about this is Trump's America. And I said, well, that's in that context. But in this one, I need to, I need to activate this side of my, you know, my personality to energize myself to go out there. Other times it's to, I think it's just, it's really, uh, I, yeah, it really, nothing's going to move. I think really the, the work is going to have to be in November to turn out as many people who do not agree with Donald Trump just to fucking vote. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and uh, talk about some bullshit.
And we're back. And uh, first of all, time, baby. breaking news, guys. Joe Exotic. Apparently a scripted series that's been in the works since uh, before this docuseries that everybody went crazy about Tiger King. Um, and wow. yeah, they've been developing it for a while and they just announced... Is that the one that's sort of like the Jinx? Yeah, that's the one that's uh, it's kind of like Southern the Jinx, except not as good. Yeah. And uh, the guy isn't innocent. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to be Nicolas Cage playing Joe Exotic, which no. is a choice. No. It's a very... I mean, I, Nicolas Cage makes his characters Nicolas Cage. Like, that's yeah. the... Yeah. It's, it sounds... Like a good choice when you first hear it, and then you think about it, and then you're like, "Oh man, is he producing it?" Been Rockwell. I don't know. Uh, I wonder. I, how I don't know. Wanted they wanted to play him, right? Like, but I'm also like, who? Who's like, yeah, I want to make this, and I objectively think Nicolas Cage is the best person. I guess it all depends on how you're trying to make the film. Like, you know, I think us as directors, we would like to see almost these. Uh, these real life people come to life as they are on screen rather than the artist's interpretation. Uh, right. Because really, I think at the end of the day, we just want to see which actor has the best Joe Exotic impersonation. <laughs> there right. should have been I mean, a whole reality show about that <laughs> that led up to the miniseries. Casting just like, it. That would have been, oh, can you imagine? What a treat. Ugh. I mean, in, in these yeah. times, now more than ever, this is some, the kind of cursed- coronavirus panic, Ugh. world's most famous character actors compete for the role of Joe Ugh. Exotic. <laughs> <laughs> that would be incredible. Gary Oldman and like fucking oh, fuck Christopher Gary Walken. But just everybody, Ian McKellen, like everybody who's so wrong for it. Just everybody. Danny Glover. Timothy Chalamet. Alf- Alfred yeah. Molina. There'd be everyone's in the mix. Oh, that would have been so the, fun. I just can't even picture Nicolas Cage's voice like being pinched and high and like reedy, like like Joe Exotics. Like they, like no. Nicolas Cage has never had like a high pitched like voice like that. I I just no. I don't. He sure. So hasn't. I think what happened here is that like all bad decisions, it was like they had a PR announcement in mind when they made it. They were like, okay, it's Nicolas Cage's first time on TV. Right. So that'll, that's like reason enough to do it. Um, and I don't think it is, but we will see. But I think also if um, they were developing this for a while, they weren't counting on what the response would be to Tiger King. You know, they just knew right. this was going to be something worth making. And then Tiger right. King comes out and that would completely fuck up people's idea of who should be Joe Exotic because I get it. If we didn't see Tiger King ever, and then they said Nick Cage is playing this like tiger owner weird dude in Oklahoma, I'm like, okay, interesting. I have no, yeah. I have nothing to compare it to. But oh, now yeah. that no I do, it is yeah, whatever. Oh, yeah. I'm also like, I think we're all mad about how much of our attention it's consuming. Too. <laughs> like, I, I also, yeah, I don't want to see it. I've but hit then Pete I'm King. Sure if everybody, if everybody's like it's amazing, then I'll definitely see it. Like I thought, I knew everything about o- the OJ trial, and then they made two. They made a scripted series and a docu series that were like the two best things I saw that year. So. That's right. true. I do. I do love the OJ series. The I. I wish that. See, not to bring Robert Durson into the mix, but it happened. <laughs> Here we go. It happened to him in reverse, where they made the movie first, and then they made the docu series. Where if they had where Ryan Gosling plays Robert Durst in the movie. And mm. he, I like, I generally think Ryan Gosling is a pretty good actor, but he did not even Google Robert Durst. He just play, <laughs> he just plays it like a sexy man, not like a, right. not like a little like freaky Keebler elf, which is what Robert Durst, an innocent <laughs> like Keebler a, elf, like but a, a Keebler burpee elf murder like, elf, just a little burpee murder elf. And Ryan Gosling's like, um, I have abs and that is Robert Durst. I'm like, <laughs> Abs had nothing to do with Robert yeah. Durst. They couldn't more, have anything less to do with Robert more Durst. More Durst erasure, really. It's really mm-hmm. sickening to see. I think that we should, I think that, uh, you know, someone, someone, I'll just, you know, it could be anyone, could be a woman, could be me, you know, mm. should, should have should have just a shot at making a, a, a proper Robert Durst tribute. Yes. Robert Durst tribute innocent. band. Yeah. Yes. Um <laughs> All right, guys, let me tell you what happened in The Last Dance, episodes five and six. <laughs> <Ooh, strap laughs> Gather around, kids. <laughs> so 
the show is progressing on two timelines. One is like a slow walk through the 98 season. And then one kind of goes from the beginning of his career to like the 98 season, the end. So the flashback career storyline is now in the thick of them winning the first three Pete and like the challenge of defeating the league is kind of over now. They're just like winning championship after championship. And it's kind of a, it's so hard to be famous episode, which it is like he's they I mean, they make a compelling case and I, I've never doubted the the case, like even since the Beatles made it that like, man, it's hard to be the Beatles because everywhere you go, you're fully like, I feel like quarantine has made me even more like there's a part of the of the docuseries where Jordan is just like sitting in his hotel room smoking a cigar and he's like, I can't leave this room ever or else I'll be, you know, like I just can't We're go all anywhere Jordan now. We're all Michael Jordan, uh, is what I'm saying. Thank God. Um, like Madonna was right. The great equalizer, truly. Yeah. <laughs> We're all Michael Jordan. <laughs> so this episode, these two episodes, uh, I actually don't know which is which, uh, but one of them had the dream team, which was dope. Yeah, um, that was a great one. Oh, so you watched it? I watched it, yeah. Oh, I'm caught awesome. up. I'm so excited. Um so some things I didn't like the things uh, that are part of legend are the dream team practice where like there was one uh, scrimmage game that was like the greatest basketball game ever played because all the best players were there and they got really competitive to the point that they were like ready to fight each other. <laughs> um, and it, it was interesting because uh, magic who's like this always this uh you know, happy-go-lucky public presence is uh, is like throwing the ball like into the upper rafters of the gym and just being like, fuck you, man. Like, he's so mad. And like, my wife made a good point we, when we were watching it. She's like, wait, so he doesn't realize that Jordan is better than him yet? And it's like, yeah, no, that's, that's the illusion all of these guys have to keep going is right. that you are the best player of all time. At all times, like that sounds Barclay such even, a stressful like thing yeah. to when it when the evidence to the contrary is like there Oof. all the time. Right, like, that just sounds right. yeah. So this covers when Jordan beats Barkley in the finals in '93. Uh, I didn't realize Jordan averaged over 40 points in that finals, the oh most God. ever. Uh, but he Barkley <laughs> like says. There's like this game two where Barkley has like the best game that he's he can play at this point, and it was the year he won the MVP, so it's probably like the best game that he ever played. And Jordan just outplays him, and he's like, "That was the first time that I re- I ever thought someone uh, w- on the court with me was better than me." Right. And Damn. It's like, wait, what? How is that possible? You played against Jordan so many times, yeah, it's but like you've known him for a while. Do you think there's a way as an athlete to take, like, you know, as an like artists or creators, you can take those kinds of moments of humility and grow? Like, you can say, like, damn, like that person's fucking killing it. And I understand the yeah. confidence thing. Like, I guess you you would either need to be so like maniacally confident, like a Jordan, where you just have tunnel vision and it's like fuck everybody. Or you would be like so humble and truly a student of the game and be like, I'm just trying to be the best person I can be. I don't necessarily think I'm better than everyone, but I'm taking, you know what I mean? Like, is there, you think there's a way to reconcile those attitudes as an athlete? Or is it? I mean, like watching that episode specifically made me feel like more grateful to be in a more subjective form (laughs) of things. Yeah, then how many laughs did you score on that episode? right you can just always like lie to yourself if you're doing a shitty job and be like oh it's just not for them but like there's a numerical (laughs) like it's you can't really it sounds like just a really difficult like headspace to be in. like you just have to become a better person or never talk right like i don't know (laughs) right yeah you have to basically gaslight yourself into just thinking you're the best or yeah or just be someone i don't know it's it's a difficult thing like Listening to Vin Baker talk about like his alcoholism when he was in the NBA, it's like, yeah, no, that he he describes like how like having a crisis of confidence and just like not being able to deal with that crisis of confidence. He was like one of the best players in the league and yeah. one of the top paid players in the league, 
and he, you know, became an alcoholic and now he's in recovery and just talking about it. It's like, yeah, that seems like actually the same way that you would encounter that situation of like having to perform in front of thousands of people who are yelling at you every night. Like, of course you would have doubts, but I think you have to be able to like foster and grow almost like a sourdough starter. Uh, this illusion that you are the greatest, uh, and I was enjoying the series. (laughs) So there's a great, uh, detail in the dream team stuff where, uh, Tony Kukoc is, (laughs) I hadn't realized this, but he was being kind of recruited. He had already been drafted by Jerry Krause and was like being talked up by Jerry Krause, the Bulls GM. And so Jordan and Pippen decide they're just going to fucking destroy him in their first game (laughs) playing against him. And it's so funny because they're just, they're using their incredible skills to just dominate him in such a cool (laughs) way. And Kukoc has this line where he's like, I didn't expect, you know, there to be someone next to me, you know, the whole time. It's like, oh, you've never had somebody play defense Like, man on defense you on you? Like, yeah. mostly yeah. zone. I guess because, you know, a lot of, like, even, like, football, soccer, like, man marking isn't as commonplace. I mean, you may put one guy to one player specifically, but yeah. that's what's interesting, they too. They were because, picking him up full court yeah, and yeah. dominating him. But I just yeah. love, though, too, because, like, that, those are the elements of European basketball that have blended well into the NBA is, like, the fluidity of passing and, like, first-time passing, yeah. like, immediately, like, I think... Anyway, that's just my yeah. just thinking there of was also Europe a and America coming together. That made it so that uh, it's just less physically people beating the shit out of each other and more yeah. of a, a beautiful game. But so he scores four points and is like people were calling him the Euro Magic Johnson before that game and afterwards everyone like thought he was a joke. But then he like <laughs> comes back and like plays great against them and they point out that like he grew up in in a war. So like yeah. he he's like a tough motherfucker. This docuseries also continues to just be scary for me as someone in my 30s staring down the barrel of like everybody looks like shit. <laughs> like everyone looks so bad. They're in that phase of life. They're oh, like, Kuka looks terrible, man. I was like, fuck. Well, I think uh, being an athlete sucks. It, but being an athlete, yeah. though, like in your prime, people are looking at you. At a, like when your body is at a place most people don't take their physical presence to where it's like right. I'm a finely tuned athletic machine with very little body fat I'm like eating like very healthily then you just become a middle-aged guy and I think maybe that compare like if we just knew Tony Kukoc is just like Tony you know who's never yeah. in the NBA Tony and the kind middle-aged of, guy yeah then yeah. like it's less jarring but I think yeah because our memories of them are so like they're so like virile and vital yeah. I feel, yeah and I feel- they're also I feel bad, but yeah, there's like some, I, I can't remember, but there was like some guys that like, they weren't dream team guys. They were just like, you know how there's like talking heads of like, oh, he was on the team at the same time, but you're like, who the <laughs> fuck is that? Those people look especially like shit. You're just like, yeah, wait, he played a sport? Like it's so, it's, <laughs> right, right. And it's, yeah, it's, Horace Grant, Judd Bushler, uh, the Bill be. Wennington. Yeah, these Dude, Bill are all Wennington. Guys yeah, who look terrible. I remember um, as a kid getting like a Bill Wennington card, and I was like, "What is this? This guy's an athlete." It's, and <laughs> watching the Bill episodes Wayne. where, like, I if if it looks like it happens to Larry Bird in the space of like two years, where like <laughs> the year after he retires, you're like, "Oh my god!" Oh, like, and then he switches to coaching, shit. and you're like, "Oh, so that's." How does that happen? Like he just like aged like a president. But I'm like, maybe that's just like what happens to your body right. when you're really yeah. relieved. I don't right. know. Yeah. Well, I think so. I think what these guys do is so physically taxing. Mm-hmm. Like they're getting the most when you play an 82 game uh, schedule in the in in the NBA. You're getting like the most exercise anyone has ever gotten ever, yeah. and you're also like not. Uh, at, at that time, I feel like the guys weren't really closely regulating their diets. And yeah. so they, yeah, they develop shitty eating habits. It doesn't matter at that time because they can just, you know, burn through all the calories. But then like the second they stop playing, uh, yeah. Uh, another just my, my favorite tweet, uh, I'm going to have to find the person who 
tweeted it, but uh, <laughs> mentioned the fact that Ahmad Rashad, so Ahmad Rashad enters as he was always, you know, an NBC broadcaster who was a friend of Michael Jordan's uh, and is making like some character statements about Jordan. And somebody tweeted saying, before we like go trusting Ahmad Rashad as a judge of character, let's remember who the best men were at his wedding. And there's a photograph of him and Felicia Rashad from the Cosby show getting married. And his groomsmen are OJ and Bill Cosby. <laughs> oh my God. Yay. Wow. Nah. Nah. Yeah. Do you think he you just looks all, back man. on that and goes like, God damn, you know, <laughs> like he's like, yeah. man, he's like, I had, I look like an asshole now. I used to defend those guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I'll find, I'll tell you who tweeted that uh, when we get to the tweets at the end. Uh, guys, real quick, should we talk about the Florida guy who got busted it's, camping on? It's just in yeah. a, it, it really, it, it's just a fun story. I like because it. Because this him. 40, a 42 year old man, okay, yeah, named man. Richard McGuire, he was arrested last week. Dick McGuire. Because they caught him basically camping on this old Disney World island, like in the, on the property of Disney World, Discovery Island, that used to be like a wild animal attraction and all this other stuff. And people, basically there were allegations of animal abuse and things like that. And the park had other developments like Animal Kingdom. They're like, all right, we can just shutter this whole 11 acre island. So this guy apparently just got like a the, the great idea when they found him, he said when he was arrested, he told the deputies, he said he had entered the island to go camping on Monday or Tuesday and planned on staying there for about a week. And he was just like, just said, I didn't, I didn't know that, like, you know, what the deal was it just looks like a tropical paradise like uh, because it. <laughs> it was like, you know, they'd put all this like flora and fauna there to make it look like as tropical as possible because it was an attraction. Now it's just completely overgrown. And it wasn't until like a couple Disney employees like spotted him like walking around on the island from like a boat or something. They're like, wait, what the fuck? I think some guy is camping like on the <laughs> property. So they had to use boats fucking uh-huh. uh, like on foot. I think a fucking helicopter at one point. And they were like blaring over PA systems like, yo, come out like you're trespassing. And the guy just came out and apparently said, Sorry, dude, I didn't, he claims, did not see or hear them due to being asleep in one of the buildings on the island. Okay, this is great. This is like Eminem style, lose yourself, one life, one opportunity. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime. Okay, do not miss your chance to blow, right? Probably had some of mom's spaghetti on his shirt. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You also say that 42, like that's shocking, but have you seen the people who are too into Disney? They're all 42. They're all like... The whole Disney YouTube community is 42. Yeah. It's a thing that happens to I mean, us whites they- at the age of 42. We go on a Mormon-like journey where we must just take a, a year off to be obsessed with Disney. Oh. Did you ever go to Discovery Island? I've, I've never been to World, so I'm completely ignorant of you know all of the fantastic things that live uh, I was not there. aware that exists. I didn't know that that was a thing. It and and was, I watched those roller coaster YouTube channels. I, didn't know. <laughs> I, I saw it with your new form of edging. Um, <laughs> Discovery Island was once called Treasure Island. It was opened in 1979, been closed since 99. Oh wow! Wow! So, and like, there's so a there's been a, keeping it up enough for somebody to camp there. No, there's a YouTube video of a dude who went there recently. Like, clearly just trespassed. Like one of those like urban explorer type YouTube uh, channels, mm-hmm. and it full on looks like a place that has not been like operating for you know twenty years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like some of the an- fixtures are not fully rotten, but it's completely like overgrown. Yeah. Man. Love it. Good for him. Something to aspire to, gang. Fun. fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like fun, and hopefully you don't get shot while doing it. Jamie, it's been a pleasure having you, as always. Uh, where can people find you and follow you? Hey, you can find me online at twitter.com at uh, Jamie Loftus Help. You can find me on instagram.com at, mm. uh, at, at Jamie Christ Superstar. Uh, you can listen to the Bechdel cast. We've got some fun, fun ones coming up. This week is Bad Moms for for Bad Mother's Day. Hey. Um. Let's see. And then I know I've liked a tweet recently. I can just feel it in my bones. <laughs> oh, let's go with this one. This is from Amanda Mull at Amanda Mull. Not a single famous person doing TV appearances during quarantine has ordered a twenty dollar laptop stand online yet. 
Just a lot of millionaires being shot from under their chins. This is how we end Stan culture. Uh, Miles, where can people find you? What's tweet you've been enjoying? Uh, Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Miles of Gray. Also, my other podcast, 420 Day Fiance, talking about 90 Day Fiance. And if you're hearing this in time uh, on Tuesday, uh, Cinco de Mayo, we are doing a live stream on our Twitch channel. So go to twitch.tv slash 420 Day Fiance and you can check us out recording the show. Okay. Get a glimpse into there uh, just to give you guys some content. Uh, some tweets that I like. First up, I just want to say Monty Bennett, the guy who got all that PPP money, giving all the money back. Okay. All right, just, Monty. Just want to throw that one up on the board. Uh, first tweet is from Allison Balsam at Fool in the Lotus. It says, 30 years ago, a comedian could wear a leather jacket and just go, Hickory Dickory Dock, suck my cock. And he'd get $100 million and people would be like, wow, this guy's a genius. <laughs> okay. But he was good in A Star is Born. Yeah, fantastic, actually. Uh, the, the Then another one from past guest, uh, Melissa Lozada-Oliva. She's fantastic Yay. follow. Uh, she said, wondering if soon dating is going to involve a socially distant courtship of two weeks, and then if you're trying to fuck, you both self-isolate for another two weeks to make sure that you're not sick, and then you can finally bang. Um, <laughs> and then this one is from Michael Benjamin. It's a video, uh, and it just says, how some of you sound, and it... I think we've all began to see a lot of people take the fucking foot off the uh, social distancing pedal. Um, and this man's tweet, like uh, this video just really sums up the point of view. I'm just going to play the audio, but I will show the rest of the crew. This weekend's been really rough. I quarantined with some friends. We tried to go to this restaurant, but it was takeout only. So we went to my friend's house. It was a patio and we all quarantined there together. We would try to go to Palm <laughs> Springs, but the Airbnb I usually get is booked. So we did a quarantine hike and then quarantined in my friend's pool. And now I'm just home, super bored. But I am meeting up with some people later. So I can't wait for this all to be over. (laughs) Genius. Just putting quarantine in front of something doesn't mean you're social. I do a quarantine (laughs) brunch. Yeah. uh, But it's so true. I like the, uh, there were fucking kids across the street yesterday, like having a fucking rager. Uh, and there were like 20 kids. Uh, the cops had to be called, um, but yeah, yeah. there, there was a cops had to be called as a nice way of you saying you called the cops on. (laughs) No, I didn't. Cause I'm like, well, I didn't know at first I just thought, Oh, somebody's playing their music really loud. And then I just saw a bunch of like traffic in and out. And there are like older people in my neighborhood who are like not fucking around. And they, they definitely. Uh, broke it Pulled up. that trigger. Yep. Yeah, there's been some cookouts starting in ba- back up in my neighborhood that I like had to on my daily outside time. I had to like swerve around. It's like come on, uh, uh, everybody. Yeah. It's tough, man. I think is honestly, man. It's just like a feeling that you feel inside too, where you're like, I, I want to do something different, but I think some of us just are able to. I guess compartmentalize that. Urge. I'm addicted to being upset, so this has worked out great. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Um, that Ahmad Rashad tweet was from Slim Bowler at Returns Grinch. Uh, and <laughs> great uh, handle. Update Ahmad Rashad responded. Whoa. Oh, we are they questionable at that time, or are you looking for controversy? <laughs> just, Bad answer. <laughs> just fade to the back, sir. You didn't need to speak up. Yeah, just yeah. close the window, sir. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, and then the garbage shit boy tweeted <laughs> tweeted a picture of the sun also rises by Ernest Hemingway and then focused in on <laughs> a four-word segment uh, and said, greatest writer of the 20th century, my ass. And the four words are, we were eating shrimps. And then Mohanad al Shaiki tweeted, none of your emails are finding me well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. True, 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 true. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, oh, no. where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song we ride out on. Miles, what are we going to ride out on today? 
Okay, this track is from Matt Martians featuring Steve Lacey. Uh, two producers I absolutely love, Matt Martians. Started with Odd Future and now is just doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, LA based, originally from East Point, uh, Georgia. And, you know, Steve Lacey, one of the great guitar players right now and producers. Uh, I think he's from Chicago. Uh, but this track is called Pony Fly. And it's just got, you know, it's nice to hear people playing their instruments. I've, it gave me a little bit of an escape uh, as I listened. I felt like, you know, I was around people. <laughs> oh, God. That's where we're at right now. <laughs> is a pony fly like an adorable horse fly? Or is it? It's up to you. Different, you know, a little, yeah, Yeah. like a baby. Yeah, it could be a little horse fly. It could be just a really odd-looking fly. It's like while you're riding a pony. The grossest. It's the grossest-looking Pegasus. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, uh, no, that's a pony fly. (laughs) You don't want. You don't want that. All right. Well, the Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for this morning. We will be back this afternoon to tell you what is trending, and we will talk to you guys then. Bye. 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 No, no, no.